Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 97. For those of you that follow along here at the back of the range each and every week, you'll know that I have just returned from a bachelor party in Las Vegas. There are definitely some blurry portions of the weekend, but I'm back in South Florida and ready to bring you another great episode this week. Before getting to this week's episode, let me say a few words about some of the golf courses I played in Las Vegas. I was able to play at Paiute Golf Resort, Valley High, and Cascada. So Paiute is only a 20-minute drive from the Strip, and it's actually owned and operated by the Las Vegas Paiute Tribe. It's a 54-hole championship resort. It's the first master-planned, multi-course facility of its kind built on Native American land. Awesome layouts, all three courses designed by Pete Dye, and definitely worth checking out. Valley High is a little on the touristy side, but you know, you get views of the Luxor, Mandalay Bay, and really the entire Strip. We played it on Saturday, and it blew about 30 to 40 miles per hour nonstop the entire day. You know, unfortunately, it doesn't matter what course you're playing in those types of conditions, it isn't going to be that pleasant. To be honest, that was the morning after I was introduced to a drink called soju. So allow me to explain. My friend Pedro, who's Korean, don't ask, invited several of his Korean friends to the bachelor party and we had to have Korean barbecue on Friday night. No problems there. The food was incredible. Well, one of Pedro's friends, let's just call him, I don't know, Frank, he decided to get everyone involved in multiple shots of soju. Soju is a clear, colorless, distilled beverage of Korean origin. At least that's what it says on Wikipedia. It's usually consumed neat, which we did, and its alcohol content varies from about 16.8 to 53% alcohol per volume. Well, after 10 to 20 shots of soju, I don't remember much more that evening. So perhaps I need to give Bally High another crack next time I'm in town. Less booze, less wind might help me change my mind. That brings me to the final round we played in Vegas, Cascada. Again, just 20 to 30 minutes down the road from the Strip near Henderson. It's pricey, it's lavish, it's exclusive, and worth every damn penny. 18 gorgeous holes carved out of the mountains. We saw Ram running across the fairways. What else? Let's see. You you go into the pro you go into the clubhouse. There's a waterfall running through it. You go downstairs and you're still inside and there's your golf cart. Then a garage door opens and out you come into this absolutely into this paradise. It's absolutely incredible. The greens, well, they're running about 13. The layout is challenging, it's fun. I posted pictures on the Instagram page. Go check them out there. We're at the Back of the Range podcast. You know, it's really hard to capture the vibe in just pictures. So if you're ever in Vegas, go visit Cascada. I'm going to put links to all three courses in the show notes of this episode. All right, I know I've been rambling a little bit, so let's get to this episode quickly. But first, remember, keep leaving reviews in Apple Podcasts. In fact, if you do it right now, first person to send me a screenshot, I'll send you a towel and another souvenir that I have from the Walker Cup. Seriously, pause the episode, go into Apple Podcast, send me the screenshot via email. You can reach me at ben at thebackoftherange.com. You can also ping me on any of the social media channels. 
follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know, we have these hats and towels for sale on the website. You know what I do with the money from the sales? I buy more towels and hats to get more merch out there in your hands. So help out the podcast if you can. This week's guest is Will Zalatoris. Will had an incredible career at Wake Forest, and in 2017, he was first-team All-American, ACC Player of the Year, and a member of the Walker Cup team. He also won the Transmiss twice, the Pac Coast in 2016, and before he ever stepped foot on campus at Wake, he won the U.S. Junior in 2014. We spoke about his amateur days, the Walker Cup, some of what he experienced and what the team this year would experience over at Hoylake. And you're going to see this guy on the Corn Ferry Tour this year, but don't be surprised if you see him on the PGA Tour very soon. So, Will, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the Back of the Range. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, haven't really spoken to a whole lot of players that are out there on the Corn Ferry Tour. And before we get to where you've been, and namely that's the, the you know, member of the, the, the very dominant 2017 U.S. Walker Cup team, let's talk about where you're at right now. Uh, currently at the Albertsons Boise Open in Idaho. I'm going to Idaho for the weekend. Give me, uh, give me the places I need to hit culinary-wise. What are the hot spots you've hit in Boise, Idaho that I should be aware of? Well, last night I uh, I kept hearing this from a lot of players, kept hearing it from caddies, but some people told me to go check out this place called Funky Taco. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, great, sounds good. You know, I'll go check it out. And the menu is absolutely hilarious. Some of the stuff I can't, can't even believe that they're, they're printing on the menus. I mean, Funky is spelled lowercase f, capital U, lowercase n, capital K, lowercase y. Um, but there's this whole strip on eighth street in Boise that, I mean, if you've maybe had a couple too many beverages, you're just going to wander into a great spot no matter what. So Perfect. it's, I'm, I'm, je- I'm jealous of all these people at Boise state. Cause it reminds me of sixth street down in Austin. It's unbelievable. So you, um, I know that the PGA tour is where you want to go, but, uh, and where you, that's the goal obviously very professional golfer, but seeing some of the smaller cities uh, that maybe some of the corn Ferry tour stops uh, find themselves in, uh, has it been a, has it been a fun year? Has it been kind of an entertaining thing as far as, you know, your first uh, couple years uh, as a professional? Yeah. I mean, my first year out, I had a bunch of starts on the PGA tour. So I got a nice taste of it. Um, I really struggled my first year out of college, you know, changing coaches and uh, really everything started to finally click at the end of the year um, and was really excited. And after, you know, going through those struggles and learning a ton, you know, learning the routines, you know, really breaking it down piece by piece. And, you know, in between those events, I'm doing the Monday qualifiers. So, you know, the joke that I tell people is like, look, you know, from where I went last year, I'm playing in the pebble or playing at pebble beach last year in the pro-am with Tony Roma as my partner. And a week later I'm qualifying in Alexandria, Louisiana, where the best spot in town is subway and trying to Monday qualify for what was then the web.com event. And so it's, you know, when people, you know, say like, Oh man, you've got to go to, you know, this town or this town. It's like, well, you should have seen what I was doing last year. So for me, um, you know, I started the season without status and Monday qualified my end to a couple events early and had a couple top 25s and then ended up getting my card and worked my way up, worked my way all up into the finals. And so here I am, you know, I've got two more events to 
get my PJ tour card. So, you know, after last fall where I was at really struggle or last summer, really, where I was really struggling with my game and, you know, a year later, here I am, I don't want to call it mission accomplished, but you know, it's step one, you know, has definitely been accomplished and now we're on to the next goal. Well, and I, I think it's interesting to kind of focus on, I guess right now everyone's looking at the tour championship and the big discussion in golf is, uh, you know, this, this staggered leaderboard that all these, uh, top three in the, in the world or, or top 30 on, on tour in the FedEx cup points that they're starting at. And, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, 10, 10 under and eight under and six under, and that's where all the money and all the focus is. But just to get on tour, I guess my question, starting your professional career, what has probably surprised you the most? Like, did you expect it to be like this? Or, I mean, how many, I guess, how do you reflect back to being on that Walker Cup team, one of the top 10 American amateurs? And then now, as you said, your, your dinner choices are subway at points. Yeah, you know, it's when you play at the top level of amateur golf, I mean, it doesn't get any better doesn't get any better than that. I mean, my final summer as an amateur, we had the USAM at Riviera and then the other stroke play course was Bel Air. We had the Walker Cup at LACC. The Transmiss was at Prairie Dunes and the Pac Coast Amateur was at Chambers Bay and the year prior I, play, I won the transmiss at Olympic and, you know, the pack hosts at Seattle golf club, which actually hosted a, a Walker cup as well back in the sixties, actually when Jack Nicholas was on it. So it's like you play in all of these unbelievable courses. You know, I look at the top hundred in golf digest and I think, man, I've played all of these and not only or played a lot of these, not all of them, but you know, I've played a lot, but I've also played them in events, which is really cool. Right. Um, and so I think probably the biggest surprise, um, would be, you know, especially on the corn Ferry tour, you know, you see these scores that are just so crazy low. And I kept thinking, man, you know, these, these are scores that, you know, I have never shot in these amateur events. And then once you see the courses, you're like, okay, you know, I can understand that. I mean, there's a lot of pins that, you know, they're, they're tucking pins three, you know, six, six or seven holes a a day are going to be three off of an edge and guys are still going low. And so that, that was probably the biggest surprise to me was just realizing, you know, I, I have no issues going low. I mean, you know, a couple times this year, I've easily gotten into the teens, but um, you know, it, that was definitely something that, you know, going out and par is essentially 67, 68. That was a, uh, that was different for sure. I know you've had to shoot these scores to succeed on the corn Ferry tour, but have you changed your game, so to speak, since turning professional? I mean, we hear talks of I think recently Tiger and, and Adam Scott were saying like, "Look, you can do, you can make the course as long as you want to, and uh, you can, you know, you can tighten up the rough if you want to, but we're just gonna hit the hell out of the driver and and just bomb it onto the green or gouge it out of the rough." Have you had to actually change your approach to how you play golf now that you've turned professional? Yeah. I mean, there's some whole, you know, some courses when you're going crazy low, um, you know, most of those courses are, are, aren't going to have a whole lot of rough. Like this week, for example, we're at 2,800 elevation, which is a little bit over 5%. And we're playing a 68, 6,900 yard golf course. And so, you know, yeah, like the, the crazy part about where we're playing this week, just to give you an example is the trees are all about 20 to 25 feet high. And they're they're there's a ton of them. I mean, they're 
every 10, 15 feet, you're going to be, there's a tree left or right of the fairway. But the difference is, you know, it's the same width the whole way down the hole. So, you know, yeah, you know, if you put a college kid out there, they may say, you know, they may try to keep it in play and hit a four iron and a, you know, eight or seven iron in. But once you get out here, you know, if you bust one out there and say if you hit one of the trees, I mean, let's just call it a 450-yard hole. You're going to have 120 yards out of the rough. If you hit a decent one, obviously, if you hit one perfect, you're going to have 100 yards in the middle of the fairway but at this altitude. So it's kind of like pick your poison. Do you want 180 out of the fairway or do you want 120 out of the rough? And the 10% that you end up hitting in the trees, do you just accept it and try to salvage four? Yeah. So, yeah, like there's been a little bit of a change in that perspective. It's more aggressive off the tee. Uh, going into greens, not really. I mean, it, you know, it, you everyone, you know, your shot dispersion is is the same no matter where you are. So, you know, the one that's three off of the edge and I'm aiming a couple yards away from that flag and all of a sudden I pull it and I hit it to a foot and you're like, well, Hey, you know, man, he's playing aggressive. Well, <laughs> if I push one, you know, if I push one 10 feet now I've got a 35 footer and I'm like, Oh, well, you know, he's playing conservative today. And I hear that on TV all the time. It drives me crazy. But you know, that's part of the reason is, you know, everyone's hitting all these wedges and nine irons in. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know the physics or the science of, you know, drawing the ball back or whatever. Like, I, I don't know any of that stuff. I mean, I'll just, play whatever you throw out in front of me and you know right now yeah it is the best bet is you know like exactly to what adam scott had said where it's like you know they're playing medina this past week and it's a 75 7600 yard golf course and they're you know they winning just, score is 20 yeah it was 25 under yeah they just destroyed you know? so before obviously before you turn professional just a very uh incredible amateur career you're at wake forest you know acc player of the year in 2017 and just you know, first team All-American and, and obviously that leads into your, your spot on the Walker Cup team. Before I ask you a little bit about the Walker Cup, you know, we just wrapped up a, a Walker Cup series here in the back of the range, focusing on all these young guys that are angling to get onto this year's team. And um, I, I was just curious, you know, being at Wake Forest, first of all, how did Wake Forest come into play? And please tell me you have a good Arnold Palmer story to go with it. <laughs> So I actually grew up with uh, Laney Watkins kids and uh, okay. I went to high school. Yeah. I went to high school with uh, Tucker and actually Kramer Hickok. Who's out here on the, he's at corn Ferry tour finals. He played on the PJ tour last year. He'll get his card back. Uh, he'll have a nice couple of weeks and he'll be set. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm originally from San Francisco then moved to Dallas when I was nine. Um, and you know, the big things I was looking for was, great academics, small school, and obviously great golf program. And, you know, I get to wake and it's 4,800 undergrad. The golf facility is right on campus. Um, and obviously it's got one of the best traditions in the entire country. And so for me, you know, when I walked on campus the first time, you know, after Lanny badgering me for a few years, just, just saying, Hey, just go take a visit. You'll love it. And took a visit and fell in love with the place. Um, you know, the big thing too, is I actually, I was on the Arnold Palmer scholarship, uh, my freshman year there. And, uh, I got a letter, my go actually it was right when I got to school, I got sent home, but I also got a emailed copy from doc if and his secretary. Yeah. And I looked at it I got my hands on it a month later. And basically it was saying, congrats on winning the U S junior. And I'm, you know, excited for you to, 
you know, be on my scholarship, you know, obviously my scholarship has a lot of great tradition in it and, you know, basically saying just represent us well. And when I got the letter, I didn't know if it was a real copy or if it was just kind of a printed out. Cause you know, he typed everything and even though he had beautiful handwriting. Um, and so I actually have the letter and I put my finger on his signature at the bottom of the page just to see if it was real ink. And I literally put my thumb on it and pulled it back and then saw it was real ink. And I was just, you know, my mom was watching me and she's like, what are you so excited about? I'm like, this is actually his signature. Yeah. This is unbelievable. <laughs> and so if you look at it now, the, the M E and R on Palmer, it's like a little, a little bit of a lighter blue. Yeah. Just a little smudge for nice. me, me making sure it was real. So I've got that actually it's framed up back at my parents' house and my dad said one of when I officially own my own, my first own place, he'll, uh, he's like, then I'll let you have it. There you so, go. yeah. So I, he was, um, he passed away, I think my beginning of my junior year, but, uh, yeah, it, he was, uh, the, the letters were especially the part that to me, uh, the other one I got from him was when I made the Palmer cup team and, uh, it was, you know, just what he was saying and how he was saying things. I mean, it's just an absolute gentleman. And obviously my captain for the Walker cup team, Spider Miller was really close friends with them too. So we, we shared a lot of, uh, stories, especially, uh, he gave me a lot of good ones. So there, uh, there's no shortage of, uh, of Palmer stories. So, uh, I, I guess, what was that summer like, I guess? I'm not going to ask you about, you know, 2016, 2017, you know, obviously, you know, great success. You won the pack coast in 2016, and the transmiss. So you're definitely were on the short list for that Walker cup team, but can you remember what that summer was like before, you know, getting selected? Cause you weren't an automatic selection. Um, right. So what, what was that? What was that summer like just going to the USAM or going to play the, in different tournaments, knowing that, okay, um, it's, it's a little bit more than just this one tournament. There's other things that uh, other things in play here. Yeah, I mean, to show you the importance of it, in 2015, I was on the Walker Cup practice squad, had a great season, or a great freshman campaign. I actually was, I think I finished the spring as like the fifth or sixth rated amateur in the world. And I got a call right after regionals saying, hey, you know, we got you a spot in the AT&T Byron Nelson, and I'm really excited. And I just was having these horrible stomach aches for about 48 hours. And finally on Monday, you know, I get this text message saying, Hey, you know, we're, you know, let us know when you check in or just want to say hi, John Drago. And I, who's a tournament director for the Nelson. And I was in the ER and ended up having an appendectomy and was out for, I was told four to six weeks. And I came back in three just to try to make that team. Wow. And tried to, make sure that I could solidify that spot and try to make it. And cause a lot of guys were playing some really good golf, you know, neighbor I think he finished, you know, fourth or fifth in the open as an amateur. So he was a lock. Um, there were a lot of guys that did some really big things. And so I, I came back and played terrible and ended up missing that team. And so for, you know, a year and a half, I'm just, that was all I wanted was just make that Walker cup team. And, you know, that summer, I mean, you know that there's some pressure on you. You know, I had a nice spring. I, I, um, going into it, I won, I think I finished first, second, second, then missed a playoff by one, a four-way playoff by one at ACC's, made it to nationals on my own. And like literally every event, it's, that was just kind of in the back of your mind. And so once it got to 
you know, that USAM, I thought I was far enough back that I needed to make a, a deep run and ended up losing uh, in the round of 16. But I didn't know, you know, I, when I lost, you know, I got interviewed when I got done and, and you know, they're saying, ask me questions about the Walker Cup. And I gave them very straightforward answers saying, you know, I, I don't know where it stands. You know, if it happens, it happens. But, you know, I know I put my put my best foot forward and we'll just kind of see what happens. And so I was sitting there watching Doc and, and Doug grind it out for the USAM trophy when Diana Murphy called me. And I mean, that was like the first time that I think I had cried and, you know, over golf probably since I was like 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I remember, uh, running downstairs to tell my parents and they, neither of them could believe it. And you know, like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like, <laughs> is this for real? And, and so I, you know, the first question I asked Diana when I got the call was, you know, I said, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this, but you know, who else is on the team? And my hopes was that Scotty Scheffler and I were going to be on the team and maybe get paired together. Cause we grew up playing golf together since we were nine. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so she just said, you know, I don't, she's like, I know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I'll just go ahead and tell you that you and Scotty were the two most emotional people when you got the call. So it was, it was pretty cool. That's, it was, that's uh, very cool. That's actually was going to be my next question was, uh, you know, where, where were you when you get the call? So that's, that's great that you get it. And you glad to, glad you didn't fall down the stairs when you're on your way down to tell your parents. So, oh uh, yeah, I, I had a date with, uh, Caitlin, my girlfriend that night and had a couple too many cocktails cause I was so excited about it. So and woke up the next day and got back to work. I was actually heading off to school the couple days later. And so it was, uh, basically spent about two days at school at wake and then flew across the country and spent about a week and a half in LA for it. So it was, it was awesome. So you get all these guys there and, and last year or the, the 2017 team is just, I, I'm guessing it's probably one of the most heralded teams since that, uh, that famous team in, in 07. That's yeah. Like, Ricky, Dustin, Webb, and or yeah, I think Webb, Webb might've been the 05. Yeah. Colt knows. I think it was 05, but yeah, I mean, that's, it was, uh, you know, we, at one point this year we had, you know, obviously Stuart, Hagestad stayed staying amateur you know one day he'll be a walker cup captain but all nine of us were either on the corn Ferry tour or on the pj tour and obviously cam champ and uh colin morikawa have won on tour already so you know this is we knew we knew we were going to be really good going in but now we look back on it now and we think man this this is this is pretty cool yeah, I mean it's it is kind of crazy that those two teams are, are you know exactly ten years apart because you know oh seven you know Fowler Horschel DJ Kirk Nost Keeney Lovemark Moore Simpson Kyle Stanley and then as you said your team just is is doing kind of following in those footsteps and probably going to surpass it at some point and just looking at you know like you said McNeely Morikawa and just you know the list goes on and on maybe walk listeners through like what it is like and what these guys on the 2019 team are going to kind of have thrust upon them at the very beginning. Like I know when you get on site and you get all sorted, but what are some of the things that are happening just a week before is everyone just on text, just going back and forth, people talking about pairings. What were kind of some of the things you immediately remember about the very beginning of the, uh, of the week? Yeah. You know, I got Robbie Zelznick, who's a uh, Walker cup, manager for the u.s and he's uh you know he runs the basically the player uh, director of P- player relations for the usga so he does all the 
uh, you know, he, he's involved with the U.S. Open, the U.S. Senior Open, Walker Cup. Um, you know, he sends us a text message on like, I want to say August 20th saying, Hey, we're going to book your flights. We want you here August 31st. And I'm thinking that's a typo because the events on September 11th, it's, you know, it's 36, 36 and it's, you know, September 11th and 12th. And I'm thinking, man, that's, that's a long time to be out there. But, yeah. you know, I, of course, you know, some of the guys are worried about school and, you know, I was like, Oh, the hell that I'll, I'll get out there. I'm, I'm going to be one of the first guys there. Let's just enjoy it. And, you know, I'm only going to be on one Walker cup team, I think, cause I'll be turning pro pretty soon after. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, really the first couple of days we were there was, was very loose. We played LACC a couple of times. Um, and then, uh, you know, the best part about those first couple of days is, you know, you're trying on all the gear and I mean, <laughs> you're getting, you're getting size for stuff that you didn't even wear that week. And, you know, like I, I still travel around with my Walker cup suitcase and, you know, I, I laugh cause I look in my closet, you know, I've got all my corporate golf shirts and then I've basically got Walker cup shirts and then all the nice clubs that I've ever played and all those nice clubs I've ever played are really from the amateur events. So it's, it's just, it's hysterical the amount of stuff you get for one, but the big thing, the first few days is they always try to incorporate something about the country, you know, the United States sure. as a country. And so for us, what we did was we actually went to Santa Barbara and looked at Reagan's library and it was amazing. We had a private tour just for the team, uh, was really, really fun. And, um, you know, I, later on in the week, actually George W. Bush, uh, 43rd president had lunch with us and walked a couple holes with us. And so they always try to create you know, make sure that you realize, you know, Hey, you're representing the United States. You know, you've worked really hard in your amateur careers. You've worked, you've played for your school, you know, you've played for yourself in these amateur events, but now you're representing a country and this is different. And it really sets the tone for the rest of the week. But those first four or five days that you're there are an absolute blast. I mean, after we went to Reagan's library, went up to Valley club, Montecito, then we played, uh, Bel Air again. And then finally, once Tuesday rolled around was when we really started hitting the ground running and started practicing pairings and figuring out, you know, Hey, you know, what about this pairing? What about that pairing? Um, and so, you know, a lot of, a lot of what these guys are doing, you know, I'm still on the Walker cut mailing list. They're doing their, their kind of warm up, if you will, at Pinehurst. Sure. Um, and then they're going to go back over the head overseas. And I think they'll probably play, you know, I don't know where, where they'll play, but they'll play probably two or three, courses that are around there you know uh, and enjoy the experience of it all and all the different courses that you know that, that they'll have, they'll be able to play but the big thing that is just so cool is just as for 10 days it's basically uh, you know you're playing golf all day and then all of a sudden you you know you're having dinner with some people and you know it's a long it's a long week i mean that was something that nathan smith told me was look you're going to be up till about 10 30 at night with all these dinners, probably for about four five, six straight nights. So get your rest when you can get it. And, you know, even though we're playing Los Angeles country club and basically it was a playground for us all week, it, it took a lot to tame it back. So. Sure. I, I can't imagine what it's like to, to not only, I mean, it's one thing playing in the United States, but these guys are going to be hopping on a flight and just getting completely, encapsulated with this entire experience it's just going to be this small group of guys you know 10 guys in the team obviously just 
and over there, you're right, just the places they're going to play and what that's going to be going through. I'm looking at the first match. I mean, Morikawa and Norman Zhang went off uh, first on that first alternate shot morning and just absolutely destroyed Harry Ellis and Alfie Plan eight and seven. And then you guys were the second one off. What were kind of? I guess it's the it's your first tee shot. Uh, did Redmond hit first, or did you hit first off of one? I hit first, but I actually played against my roommate from school, Paul McBride. Yeah. Um, and so we saw, you know, at the players' dinner, you know, you switch ties. So, you know, you get the RNA tie from uh, one of the guys on the other side, and you give your USGA tie to one of the guys representing GB and I. And so we switched ties, and, you know, it was a pretty cool moment. And we had talked about this for years. And of course, our first match, we're playing against each other. Right. And, uh, yeah, and so we're playing, you know, at LACC, the first hole is a par five, and actually can switch between a par five and a par four, but if you play it as a par five, you're teeing off into the practice putting green right off the back porch. And I, you know, of course, it's a nerve-wracking tee shot to begin with, you know, just because you're just getting everything going, and, you know, as the, as the matches go on, you're all, you know, you get into a bit of a rhythm, but... I just remember staying on that tee and, you know, the greens are as perfect as I've ever putted on. And, you know, I'm standing there and I'm like, just please God, don't slip. <laughs> just don't, just don't fall over. And I, I nuked one about as hard as I possibly could. And it just caught that left bunker on the left side and we ended up having the hole, but yeah, it was, it was a little bit of an eye opener. I mean, it took doc and I a few holes to settle in. And then, uh, you know, really after that, it was kind of off to the races for all of us. I mean, I, the funny part, you know, when you're mentioning Norman and Colin was, uh, doc and I were on 10 and we saw Colin and Norman walking back towards the clubhouse and we, you know, saw him and just said, well, what are you guys doing? Like, they said, Oh, we're done. We just won. And we're like, how many holes did you guys play? I mean, no one's walking back from the only way they're walking back from where they are is if they're finished on 12, which we were thinking, Oh, you know, maybe they'll go 13 or 14 or whatever. And they're like, Oh yeah, we're done. We're, we're heading back. And so they literally, their match was over. And I think like two hours and six minutes. Oh my God. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was incredible. So, you know, all those between doc or I'm sorry, with the Doug and Norman and, uh, Colin and Mav, you know, going undefeated, you know, I think combined, they went something. I think there was, I think Norman tied one match and everybody else won everything. Yeah. I think, so, there was, I, mean, I think there was only three guys that went four and oh. Yeah. So I, I think, mean, I think it was Maverick. It was Gim and it was Morikawa, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Scotty and I actually joked about that a couple, I guess it was last summer. Cause he asked me, he was like, how'd you, he was like, or it was actually Scotty doc and myself and, Scotty asked me something like, you know, you know, what was your total in the Walker cup? And I said, Oh, I went three and one. He goes, really? I'm like, yeah, I know there were three guys that went four and oh, and Norman went undefeated also. So I, yeah, I, I did. Okay. Don't worry about me. Oh no. But, yeah, well, think about it. Yeah. I mean, those four guys go, those three guys go four. No, those there's 12 points. Your three is 15. Yeah. Um, there was only 19 points that you guys won. So someone had to fight it out. Yeah. Scheffler picked up. <laughs> Scheffler won yeah. singles. He did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was just funny. He was like, "Really?" I was like, "I I played okay. I didn't. Yeah, you, I didn't play as bad as you think." We're, we're gonna let you keep the shirts in the bag. We're, we're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What, what? Um. All right. So I don't want to ask about all the the. It, well, I mean, I do want to ask, but I mean, what kind of uh, just team room 
what kind of team room environment is it like there? Is it like when you're just, you know, so dominant and it doesn't appear? I mean, yeah, there's a tie in the morning session, but after the afternoon singles on the first day, uh, you guys are up 10, six. And then really the next day you really turn it on. Uh, I guess right. what, what was it like sen- uh, Saturday after the first day session in the room? Well, I think, you know, the big turning point for us was getting through the foursomes two and two at the start. And when we had the afternoon singles, we really, there was something, some vibe throughout the locker room that once we got through that foursome session, it felt like every single one of us was ready to take somebody on. You know, it, it went from, you know, everyone trying to mix together, you know, talking about strategy and whatnot to all of a sudden it was everybody's just going to individually take care about their business, but we're playing for each other. And, you know, the part that was a lot of fun for us was uh, the GB and I team actually had a pretty big following. They traveled well. And, you know, it was funny after we got done and the foursomes and we're sitting on the putting green and Scotty's working with Ben Crenshaw on his putting. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, well, I can't can't get any better than that. But we had some guys that were just absolutely heckling Cameron and me and uh, Braden. They were just, you know, of course they were drunk and they met it in good fun, but they were just brutal. Just some of the stuff they were saying. And I remember they were actually, they were friends of the guy that I played in that singles match. And so they were, you know, kind of heckling me a little bit and I'm like, well, whatever, you know, this is all part of the fun. I, I embrace it. I, I'm not going to hide in a corner about it. Sure. And so I, I remember I won the first hole made up and down made birdie. And then on the second hole, I hit one to about 50 feet and had this big swinging hooker or big swinging putt. And I made it and I just absolutely went crazy and lost my mind. And it was, you know, going full blown Patrick Reed, you know, throwing my fists up in the air and, you know, looking at those guys. And, and I remember we were talking about some kind of strategy in that locker room prior, you know, before, you know, Hey, if you're down, just save a match or whatever, or, you know, just some funny stories that we had heard from, you know, guys like Lanny Watkins, um, you know, playing singles. And so he ends up making a big charge on me we get to the 13th hole and I'm, I think I'm one or two down at the time and he was a really, really fast player. And, and I was just kind of taking my own sweet time. And so we were going to have a weight up on the green. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to go to the bathroom. This is something that Lanny taught me was, you know, if your player's ever getting into a rhythm or got some momentum going, just find something to break it. So I was like, all right, I'll go to the bathroom. I'll take my time. I'm going first. He yeah, drove me by 15 yards. And so I, you know, go about my business. I go in there and I lock myself in there. I have no idea. There was these the nicest porta potties I've ever been in my life, and you need two hands to open the door to get back out. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like trying to kick down the door. I'm in there for like five or six minutes. I have no idea what's going on. I mean, it probably looked like I was having a problem in there with the porta potty shaking. But I finally figure out that you've got to pull it out with the left hand and then do something with the right hand and turn it. And finally, I got out and you know all the my caddy's looking at me. He's like, you okay? You all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just locked myself in the shitter. <laughs> yeah. Other, yeah, other, just, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm all good. <laughs> you don't need to worry about me. I may be leaking oil here, but that's it. And so I, I turned it back around and ended up winning the match. And, and we were, 
kind of talking about some of that stuff that night after we won and some of the guys were following me and they were like, are you okay on 13? And I kind of told them what happened. They thought it was unbelievable. They were like, yeah, oh, man, another, another blonde moment from Zalatoris. Awesome. If we just keep him but, on the golf course, he's fine. But other than yeah. that, you know, someone take him to the shitter, but uh, yeah, that's awesome. But yeah. But in all seriousness, I mean, after the first day we felt really confident with where we were. I mean, we we're up 10, six, but it never felt like it was like we were up that big. Okay. And so, you know, like we, I think, what did we go? Three and one the next morning. You went uh, um, the next morning. You went actually, um, you went, yes, you went three and one in the morning foursomes on Sunday. And then really you had the six point lead after that. And then it just all hell broke loose in the afternoon. Every single one of you guys won. I'm sorry. So basically only Doc Redman lost. He lost, he was one down to David Boots. Sorry, Doc, but you'll, you'll be all right with that. Uh, hey, it's, it's, I'm just reading what's in front of me. But yeah, Doc, Doc lost his match. Uh, Champ and Zhang halved, everyone else won. Right. And so, I mean, the big thing was when we got through, you know, it's 10-6 and we go 3-1. Um, and at that point, you know, we're up six but we were down early in a bunch of the matches in the singles and you know only one or two down so it, it just never felt like we were gonna win 19-7 like it always felt like it could easily be a a three four point win at, and you know it could you know and if it gets to that point maybe things you know slide the other way and all of a sudden it could be a tie ball game and so for us having that mentality of it's never over you know even after having a really successful morning on that Sunday, you know, we just never felt like we were going to, you know, give it away or, you know, we, we, we really earned it until the very last pot drop. You, uh, you had on that team, just one guy that was making a repeat appearance in the, in the Walker cup. That was Maverick McNeely. Uh, Stuart Hagestad's going to be playing in his second Walker cup this time around going over to, to uh, going over to Hoylake. You mentioned that uh, you think he'll be a captain one day, and as a lifetime amateur, at that least he's planning to be a lifetime amateur. I can easily see that happening as well. What are uh, what are some of your memories from Hagestad? You know, what how do you think he is going to be over uh, across the pond, not just on the golf course, but in the in the team room? Oh, he was he was definitely the life of our party. Um, really, I mean, between because yeah, I've, spoke, yeah. I've spoken to Hagestad a number of times, and he is uh, he is shall we say a little intense. So when I hear well, life, when I hear life of the party, I, I do that does give me a little pause. He's intense until you hear him laugh. And he's got that high pitched little girly giggle, and all of a yes. sudden you realize, oh, okay, this guy's a little fun. All right, this episode between in, this episode's kicking into gears, Altors. Let's keep it coming. Let's go. <laughs> but probably, I mean, the biggest thing with Stuart, and you know, we always called him Papa Hag, you know, and so I some of the stuff like after we won, you know, he's throwing spider in the pool at the Beverly Hilton multiple times. Yes. You know, next thing you know, we're going through bottles of champagne and, you know, Stuart's over there basically asleep in a chair, but some of the, just his, just his, his humor in general, even though he's very intense, he loves learning as a player, but when it comes to off the golf course, I mean, between, Cam Champ and Scotty bickering at each other like two old ladies. And then you've got Stuart with the high pitch giggle, you know, laughing back and forth. And I'm just sitting there enjoying the moment. And I, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, we were, 
probably some of the best memories we have is in that team room because yeah. Robbie Zelsick sets it up with, you know, we've got cornhole, uh, ping pong, and, you know, it was Hagestad and me against Scotty and Doug Gim. And Doug was laughing so hard at Stuart because Stuart kept trying to throw the throw the cornhole bags and he like literally after a couple beers was missing practically the room and i'm like you know and i'm looking at him like that's my partner and doug is on his hands and knees just crying but i mean and so of course the 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 smack goes back and forth and you know because stewart's got the long putter and he was joking about us chipping at the time of he said oh chipping terrible and and you know of course he wings one eight feet right of the bat or eight feet right of the, the board. And, you know, it's like, Oh, Stuart, Stuart back with the willies again. I love it. I love nice. it. You know, and it's just unbelievable. But yeah, that, that night after we won, I know there's some stories that I, I wish I could share. No, no, I, you're, I need, you're doing I need fine. Some, I, yeah, no, no, we got I need keep... some, uh, I'll need some uh, approval from, oh. uh, from some of the guys. Oh, but no, no, you gotta, you gotta I, keep the sanctity of the team room. I just like a little oh, bit, yeah. a little bit of taste and flavor is always good. So, uh, oh, yeah. I, I will give you probably, we'll give you one story that was, that was awesome. That, um, we, we went up to Valley club, you know, I mentioned we went up to Santa Barbara and, yeah. and went to the Reagan museum. And so we had it set up to go play the Valley club, which is absolutely incredible i mean i i feel terrible that i didn't really know what it was up until that point you know when you see bel air and lacc on on your list and he's then i see valley club and i'm you know originally from san francisco so i was shocked i was like oh you know i've never been there i haven't really heard of it either and it's just one of the most incredible it's 6400 yards it's a mckenzie design it's awesome absolutely fantastic and we get out there and we're warming up on the range and there's 150 people on the range. Like, mind you, this is like Tuesday and we're just, you know, I was playing a little two on two games, just enjoying or enjoying each other's company. Yeah. We get on the, and we get on the first tee and there's literally, they told us there's almost, they said there's around 200 members. And I was like, did every single one of them show up today just to watch us play golf? And so, you know, we hit our first tee shots and we're thinking, Oh man, you know, they'll be here for you know maybe a couple of holes, but they stayed the whole time. They watch us the entire time. And so we get done and they've got an open bar and have some wonderful food for us. And we have this meet and greet with the members and, um, you know, being a short golf course and the guys with, you know, great playing ability, we shot some pretty crazy low numbers. And yeah. so I want to say they were like three sixty threes, a couple sixty fours. Oh, and so <laughs> the best part about the, about this though, was doc i love you but this is one of the best stories i've got about you but <laughs> doug is standing to my left i'm or i'm in the middle and then doc's on my right and so doug goes hi i'm you know hands the microphone over hi i'm doug gim i'm from arlington heights illinois i'm from texas go to texas and i shot 63 today and it gets over to me and then you know hi i'm wills out Taurus from plano texas go to wake forest i shot 63 today and then it gets over to doc and doc didn't play well that day. I think he shot a couple over and, you know, everyone's in the low mid sixties, but you know, doc is awesome. And so doc, after having a couple beverages kind of fumbles his words and you know, I'm doc Redman. I'm from Clemson and I shot 84 today. <laughs> and, and everyone just starts cracking up laughing. 
and Spider's over there with his hand, hand in his head and just going, that's our U.S. Amateur champ, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I mean, I we laughed about that on the hour and a half ride home from from Santa Barbara. We thought it was the funniest thing we've ever, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, my after that trip up to Santa Barbara and then that ride back, I mean, my, my stomach hurt the next day. Just, uh, God, you just imagine you're just the member there just getting blown away. And then all of a sudden the mic gets handed to him and he's like, what, what, who is that? Oh, every, oh yeah. Everybody, everybody loved it. Everyone thought it was hilarious. Oh no, so, that's fantastic. Uh, but, oh yeah, it was, everyone knew what he was doing too. Cause you know, he gets followed up with, I want to say Colin shot like 64 or five. I, and Scotty, I think shot a couple under and then all of a sudden gets a dug. So it basically goes, you know, 64, 64, 68 63 63 and you get a guy saying he shot 84 today oh perfect you know, perfect just, oh yeah it's like that's my man yep you uh you know i was yeah. curious i want to ask you, you you had spider miller as your captain just you know legend uh you know in in, in walker cups um you know i i was kind of looking back at, at walker cup captains and you know the last time that there was a playing captain was back in 83-85, Jay Sigel, who uh, also right. went to Wake Forest. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I mean, obviously, success in 2017 with Spider as your, as your captain. But do you see a time again where there's maybe going to be more than one mid-am on the team or perhaps even a mid-am playing captain? Do you see that in the future of, of the Walker Cup? I mean, if Stuart keeps doing what he's doing, I I, I think he's probably the best right now he's the most viable candidate. I, I thought when he made the automatic pick, I thought there might've been a chance that the USGA might take a second one, but I didn't, I honestly, I didn't look at the new selection process of it all or anything. So I, I, I had no idea what to expect after that, but um, yeah, it, it's definitely doable. I mean, it's different than the Ryder cup and the president's cup in that it's only two days. Right. So you're lining everything up, you know, that first day, unless something goes horribly wrong, you've only got eight guys playing, you know, it, where it's set up for us because the winning team, uh, or I think it's the host host team gets to choose if it's alternate shot or singles in the morning and, you know, which, which, however way they want to set it up. So it's, if I think if we hosted again, I think it would have to be over here because we would, we always want the singles to be at the end for us to have the advantage. Right. Obviously, they play more, they play more alternate shot over there. But I think if it ever does happen, it would probably have to be somewhere here in the U.S. But it's definitely doable. I mean, like I said, it's it's only two days, so you know, it's not like there's, you know, twelve guys to choose from, and you're only picking eight. And oh, this guy is sat out for two sessions. You got to make sure he plays some before Sunday. It's like no, I mean you this is everyone always. they always yeah and the other part too is they always try to make sure that um at least on our side that everyone gets three shots at it um you know they said everyone's gonna sit out one unless um you know someone gets really hot or if someone gets really cold so um you know that that's where it kind of makes things a lot simpler for us yeah Will, let me get you out of here on one final question. You obviously have fond memories of the Walker Cup. There's 10 guys getting ready to go over to Hoy Lake. If you had a chance to talk to them and give them advice, what would you say to these guys going to represent their country at the 2019 Walker Cup? You know, the guys that are going over there, from what people have told me, I know Jordan 
Spieth, obviously being a Dallas guy, I've gotten to know him really well through the years. But he told me going into 2015, where there was a chance I was going to be on that roster, was that it's different over there. You know, it's there's, you know, we had four to five thousand people a day between the practice rounds and the two days, and over there apparently it gets up to close to about ten. Yeah, and the big thing is when you have momentum especially you know we experienced it where you know we had the momentum on our side and in front of our home team you know it just obviously staying patient and enjoying it um but you know i I think you know if i'm gonna give any of the guys advice i've got to give the advice that george w bush gave us during that lunch was you know there's different ways that you can uh represent your country there's people who are in the military that sacrifice their, uh, you know, their lives for our country, for, you know, the way how we're able to live. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're wearing that red, white, and blue. And no matter how you do, obviously winning is the objective, but enjoy the experience. It's, it is to this point in my career, it is the best week of golf I've ever had in my life. And it's something that's, uh, you know, we could, you know, we could sit here over a six pack of beers and just start, you know, that's something that I hope that someday would be able to do is, you know, they have Walker Cup reunions and, you know, just get the 10 of us together and just some of the stuff that, you know, talking about our matches and whatnot. You know, I, I hope that our team has been hyped up, you know, pretty high with how well we've done so soon. And I hope right. that, you know, someday we're able to look back on it and, you know, kind of laugh and you know obviously all of us are going to be really successful professionals so um you know nothing would make me happier than hearing Stuart giggle like a little girl and watch cam and and scotty go go back and forth because it's i mean it was unbelievable i i went back to school so tired just from all of our late nights of you know laughing back and forth and then of course you know don't forget the playing part but, yeah, yeah, you had, to, you had to had to you know, hit a few shots here and there in between all the uh, in between all the the cornhole ping pong and laughing at uh, Hagestad. So, oh my God, it, it was just unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. I really well, I really appreciate you sharing all these uh, fond memories of the uh, of the Walker Cup. I think it's it's great that you have such a, a fond memory of it and all the guys that are on the team. I know that the 10 guys that are getting ready to go over to Hoylake are... And there you have it. Special thanks to Will Zalatoris for joining uh, this week. Good luck this season on the Corn Ferry Tour, and hopefully that'll get you out on the PGA uh, Tour very soon. Don't forget, follow along on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. Leave a review in Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. We'll see you again next week for episode 98 here at the Back of the Range.